You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 is where I want to begin. And then I want to turn over to 2 Corinthians and read, read a couple passages. And some of you, I know what you're thinking. This doesn't sound simple so far, but bear with me. I want to talk about the simplicity of salvation. The simplicity of salvation. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I'll begin reading some of these verses. The Apostle Paul, I still hear pages turning, which is good. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And there's a lot to be said, verse 3, verse 4. Uh, verse 5 says that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. He goes on to speak about the wisdom of God. And through this chapter, he lets us know that through for many, many people look at the wisdom of God. And if you go back to chapter 1, you see this as well. Many people look at the wisdom of God as foolishness. Because with man, oftentimes, God's wisdom seems foolish. Uh, but with God, man's wisdom is foolish. But he talks about the simplicity. He said, when I came preaching, uh, listen, I, he said, I didn't come trying to impress you with all the things I know. The Apostle Paul could speak in several different languages. There were several different tongues that the Apostle Paul knew. He could have come preaching in all these different languages. He could have come and tried to impress them with his knowledge of philosophy and his knowledge of science. And by the way, the, the, there's, there's great and deep uh, truths of philosophy and science within the Word of God. There's deep theological truths that literally we could delve in and we are, for the rest of our lives, we'll be studying these depths uh, and we'll never totally reach the bottom. Amen? Because it just continually unfolds. But at the same time, all of those deep truths uh, start with some very practical principles that we can understand and apply to our lives. But when it comes to the Gospel, especially, there's a simplicity that God has in relation to the Gospel. Uh, go over to 2 Corinthians now and we'll read uh, another verse and then try to get in and keep this message as simple as possible. There is a lot of depth in these verses, but there's an application that I really want to make sure that I drive home today. And this is in 2 Corinthians chapter number 11 and verse number 3. 2 Corinthians chapter number 11 and verse number 3. But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve. We don't use that term beguile very often in our modern vernacular, but it just means to be uh, deceived. So uh, I fear... By any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. 
Now, there's a great application to spiritual warfare this morning that I'm not going to take much time to emphasize. We actually taught about that aspect in Sunday school. He's actually writing to Christians here, and he's saying there's a simplicity about the gospel. There's a simplicity about truth that we need not get hung up on. But what I want to say to you today is that God has intended for the gospel to be uh, a simple message. It was the, the, the command of the Lord Jesus Christ to take the gospel around the world. To the educated, to the uneducated, to the, to the wise, to the unwise, the Bible says. And you may ask, and I think it's important that we establish, what is the gospel? 1 Corinthians defines that for us as well. The Bible says in chapter 15, I declare unto you the gospel. I declare unto you the gospel. Verses 3 and 4 of chapter 15 say, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. So the basic gospel message is the death, burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in, encompassed in that is an understanding of why Jesus had to die, why He was buried, why He was resurrected, what that means to us today. But that's what the, that's what the gospel is. That's what our job is as God's people is to explain this simple message. The gospel began to spread in the first century and I'm telling you, it caught fire and began to spread around the whole world. Not because people had to go get some deep education in order to understand it. You didn't have to go to some seminary. You didn't have to go to some university. No, the message was simple. It's got a universal appeal. The gospel is easily understood. By the way, I want to say this. Religion makes things complex. And I'm telling you, when religion becomes complex, it's a sign that that religion is departing from Christ. Amen. That's exactly what's been warned about in this chapter. The simplicity of Christ. Don't be deceived. Don't be led away from that simplicity. Don't be told when it comes down to because the greatest need of mankind is not that of education, which I believe in education. It's not that of becoming financially independent, and, 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 and although those are good things. It's not even about becoming a better person. The greatest need of mankind is to be put in the right relationship with the Creator. The God of the universe. And that's why Jesus came, folks, not to be an educator, even though He educates, uh, not to help us in all these other areas of life, not to help us in, in just in the psychological realm, even though He does help us with that, but the main and the primary need is that of to be put in the relationship with the Creator of the universe because He loves you, He cares about you, He made you, and he wants to he wants you to be close to him and him close to you now that's the message or that's the that's the point of what god's trying to get across because the the easy part of the preaching that i'll give to you is this i want to try to give this to you as simple as i possibly can for one thing when we look at the simplicity of the gospel we look at paul's preaching he said he he said there's a lot of things i may know but when I come to talk to you, there's one thing I want to make known among you, and that's the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
He came preaching the cross. Beware of any uh, preacher, any religious person you know, if they come preaching anything other than Christ and the cross. Christ and Him crucified. It's not about the church. It's not about you straightening up. It's about the cross. It's about Christ, the Christ that went to that cross and why He went there. He said, I determine not to know anything among you, but Jesus Christ and Him crucified. See, up to that point, the, the Corinthians had made gods in their own image. Gods in their own image. And we do that oftentimes, whether that separates us from our, our God or whether we feel like it draws us closer to what we think of God. People oftentimes make a God in their image. But they didn't know who the true and the living God was. And so the message of the cross introduces them to who this God is. And so we look at Paul's preaching, it was a simple message. Um, and when we, <coughs> excuse me, when we think about what the message of the cross means, it means a couple of things. If, if you would, I can give these verses to you, but I'm going to try to give a, a simple presentation here this morning. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3 and verse number 10, it says, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says in verse 23 of this same chapter of Romans 3, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So what the Bible teaches us is that all men were born into this world as sinners. I was riding on an airplane and I had this 14-year-old kid, I think it was, sitting next to me, flying along and we just began to, I was talking actually to a soldier, or a, he wasn't a soldier, he was a private contractor that had been working in the Middle East. And I was talking to him about the Lord. I was talking to this young boy. It was just a great trip. Uh, but I said, well, we've all sinned. And you know what he asked me? You ever get asked these kind of questions? Many of you are going to think it's a good question this morning. I believe it is. He said, what's sin? Well, that kind of stopped me in my tracks for a second. I'm like, well, I was ready to move on from that point. What is sin? And, 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 and thankfully the Lord helped me kind of regather and say, well, let me tell you what sin is. There's a holy God that made everything. He's the creator. He's a, he's, a, he's a God. He's a transcendent God. He's a God that's eternal. He's a God that literally fills all time and space. But He's also a God that is involved in our lives today. This God is a holy God. This God has a holy standard. And if we're not living anything that goes against God's holiness, God's holy standard is a sin. You know, we can look at the Ten Commandments as an example, but the fact of the matter is that we, as we begin to look at our lives, our conscience teaches us these things as well as the Word of God. But why, why is it, I think, of, I think of some of the toddlers that we have around church, uh, my toddlers are all grown up for the most part. Um, but what is it about a toddler whenever there's something sitting out that they know they're not supposed to have? Now this is before they can talk very well. It's before they can understand a lot of things very well. But there's one thing that they found out. There's this ornament right here on the, sitting on the table that they are not to touch. They've been told no before. No, don't touch that. No, do not touch that. And uh, but, but why is it that after a time they'll go to reach for it 
And right before they reach, what will they do? They'll look. Why do they look? You know why they look? Because they know they're about to do something wrong. Because their conscience is already working on them, whether they realize it or not. But what it shows us is, we, the Bible talks about how that we are born in iniquity. That's another word for sin. But it carries the idea that, that the term iniquity talks about kind of the way something's leaning. Our neighbors have a tree, and I mean, it's, it's a younger tree, and they couldn't get that tree to go straight for anything. And they'll try to tie ropes to it and everything else, but you plant a tree, and it starts growing like this, and you try everything you can to get it to grow straight, but it starts growing like this, and it's just this big, and it's leaning this way. Guess what's going to happen as it continues to grow? It doesn't go the other way, does it? It just keeps growing. And what, it, what that tells us is that all of mankind, we are just bent on iniquity. Don't be offended when you hear us talk about God saving sinners and sinners needing to be saved because you know who sinners are? All. Oh. Notice what it says here. Uh, verse, uh, chapter uh, 3, verse 23. I said it if you're not there in Romans 3. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So when Jesus went to the cross, why did He go? Well, because here's what the Bible goes on to say. The Bible tells us that our sin separates us from God. Our sins separate us from God. The Bible says here in uh, Romans chapter number 5 and verse 8, But God commendeth His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now I'm going to go to another very well-known verse, but it's, it's considered to be a very understandable verse, and it's John 3.16. The Bible says, For God so loved the world. Now the world right there means you. Amen. So if you could please interact with me for just a moment. You don't have to say this out loud, but please, in your, in your head, I want you to say this. When I get to whosoever, I want you to put your name there. Because that's what the Bible teaches us that word means. For God, and when I say world, you can put your name there. For God so loved that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever, there again, your name, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, the thing about the Gospel is the Gospel, what does it mean, everyone? Good news. Good news. But did you know the only way that you can really appreciate good news a lot of times is if you know the bad news first? The bad news is we're all born sinners. The bad news is our sin separates us from God. The bad news is God's a holy God and while we're on this earth, we're separated from the presence and the fellowship of God. Have anybody, anybody in here ever had separated families? What it means to be separated? That's an awful thing, isn't it? We're separated from God on this, in this life, but then in eternity, there's a place called heaven that's the bliss and the joy of God for all eternity. There's a place called hell, ultimately the lake of fire, and which is also an eternal, an eternal place. Everyone, everybody will live for eternity somewhere. Either heaven or hell. That's the only two places that the Bible teaches about. I understand other religions add some places in there. Other religions add a lot of things to God's Word, but that's not too simple. Amen? It's confusing, and we don't need to add to what God said. 
Why would God make such a place? I'll tell you why. For the Bible says that hell, Jesus said that, 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 that hell is prepared for the devil and his angels. When Satan and those fallen angels that followed him fell, there's a place prepared for them. But you know what the Bible says? That our God is not willing, in uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, 3, verse 9, and 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, God is not willing that any should perish, Amen. but that all should have eternal life, that all will be saved. The Bible says that it's God's will that all men be saved. So guess what God's purpose is for you? For you to be in heaven with Him. To be saved. But the problem is, our sin separates us from God. I'll tell you another problem. We could not make up that gulf. We could not make up that difference. We could not reach to God. By the way, that's, the, that's, the, that's where a lot of the complexity comes in because many of your average quote-unquote churches and religions, they're trying to give you a prescription of what you can do to climb this ladder of some sort uh, to get to God. And they add this rung of baptism. They add the rung of church membership. And boy, you can add a few rungs in there if you give them a lot of money. Right? And they add this rung in there and you just keep climbing up. But I'm telling you folks, that is not the way to heaven. We cannot reach. So you want to know something? God reached down to us. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. So we're all men are sinners. All of us. But He loved us so much there was nothing that we could do. But so you know what? God did something. God sent the One who could never sin, the Lord Jesus Christ. And He went to the cross. And the reason he went through so much pain is because the Bible says in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Anybody ever work? No. Not too many. <laughs> you work. And listen, uh, the, on my other job, that doesn't apply to here, but to my other job, man, listen, I'm not in it because the warehouse is so great. It's just cool to show up there and hang out, you know. Listen, every two weeks, man, I'm looking for that paycheck, right? I mean, uh, you know, are you in it for the money? Yes, I am, amen. Preaching, I am not in it for the money. Uh, Not by any stretch of the imagination. But when it comes to your job, you're probably in your job for the money. Uh, And of course, you know, we, we understand that, you know, the work environment and things like that, that, you know, a little bit extra money is not always worth it, right? But the point is, we earn wages. So the Bible says the wages of sin. So by being a sinner, we were born sinners. I mentioned that with the toddlers and the babies. We don't teach them to lie. We don't teach them to be mean. They just seem to figure it out all on their own. Uh, But that's being a sinner by birth. But there comes a time in our life where we become a sinner by choice. I talked about the toddler reaching and looking back. Well, they don't truly understand what sin is and, and really have an understanding. But there's a time in our life where we know right and wrong and we choose wrong. And we do wrong. And sometimes even our pride and a lot of this religious junk is just as sinful as anything else. Self-righteousness is just as bad, if not worse, than what we think about as some of the grossest sins. And I'll just tell you why in just a moment here. But Jesus bore your sins. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. That, and, and hell really speaks of death. It's a place of fire. The, the, the lake of fire is a place of fire and brimstone. 
For all eternity, death is separation. Death, uh, so, so that's what it speaks of. But here's the thing. When Jesus went to the cross, He bore our sins. He was not beaten because of His sins because He didn't have any. But He took your sins upon Himself. Listen to me. Everything you have ever done, everything you ever will do, and by the way, let me tell you something else about sin. There's not only the sins that we do, there's the sins and the things that we should do that we don't do. Somebody says, well, I'm not doing anything wrong. Well, what are you doing right? Is there something you should have done that you didn't do? Folks, we can't escape it. We're sinners. But all of that, every bit of it, that every sin that's ever been committed, every sin you've ever committed, ever will commit, Jesus already has paid for. Amen. With those stripes, with the cat of nine tails, when they beat Him, when His beard was ripped out, when the crown of thorns was pushed down on His head, did you know that was for you? Uh, I mean, uh, did, did you know that it, that it was your sins that nailed Him to that cross? So what are we talking about? We're talking about the cross. He bore our sins. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. But it goes on to with some very, very good news. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We're talking about simplicity. How many of us can understand a gift? We can all understand a gift. That's why He puts it in that, in that phrase. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the Gospel teaches us that we have sinned. We've all sinned. Therefore, we are lost. We are separated from God. However, there's a God in heaven that loves you something fierce. We, there's a God in heaven that looked at you and He looked at me. And He said, there's one way. There's only one way that I can spend eternity with that person. There's only one way I can put that person back in the right relationship with me. And it's nothing they can do. I'm going to have to give my son for them. You can never question the love of God. You can if you want to, but I'm telling you, it's not wise to do so. You know why? Because that's what He did for you. There was one way. And that's, that's part of the simplicity of Christ. It talks about the, exclus- the, the, the fact that it's a singularity to it. There was one way. You know, I use the example I can use my youngest daughter. I could use any of my kids. But, but I'll just use Nana. And I've done it before. But just allow me to do it again, please, Nana, if you'd stand up. This is my youngest daughter. As if, if, if I really cared about any of you in here today, and I do, <laughs> but... If, if there was some kind of guarantee that I could save your life by sacrificing her life, the Bible says there in Romans 5 that some people would lay down their lives for other people. I'd hope to think that I'd lay my, down my life for you this morning. I'd hope to think that I would. I don't know if I would, but I hope that I would. I can tell you one thing right now, though. I'm not laying down her life for not one of you in here today. And I, If that offends you, but it don't offend you, does it? I mean, if you could save somebody by giving Adelie, you would not be like, oh, sure, yeah, whatever. I want to help this person. No way. They, yeah, I mean, you better you could forget about it. Uh, matter of fact, I'll I I be willing to hasten you uh, uh, to your end if it meant giving her, if it meant I'd have to give her up. On the other hand, you understand what I'm saying? But God Almighty looked at you and He says, I love you. I want to spend eternity with you. 
There's only one way I'm going to have to give my son. They're going to mock my son. They're going to beat my son. They're going to beat him with the cat of nine tails. He's going to literally have to shed his blood. He's going to have to literally die there. He's going to have to hang on an old rugged cross for six hours. People would die on the cross uh, uh, because of, of, of asphyxi- asphyxiation. They'd suffocate, all right? Uh, I wish we had, we had to get better editing soon, amen, to get some of that out. But asphyxiation, suffocating. Uh, Jesus was beaten and was bleeding when He was put on the cross, so His death was hastened a little bit. But uh, the fact of the matter is, sometimes people would hang on a cross for, uh, for more than a day because they would stand there, and as long as they could raise up themselves a little bit, they could catch a breath and they could breathe. But as soon as they drop back down, if you're suspended and holding up your weight like this, eventually you're going to suffocate. So to breathe, you'd have to raise yourself up to breathe. But just imagine that for six excruciating hours, Jesus, He's literally already had His back beat off down to the bone. You could see the bones of Jesus as He was on the cross. He was scourged before being nailed to the cross. Quite literally, what the scourging... I talk about the way people would die being crucified. People would often die from being scourged. And Ralph, the way they would die is that oftentimes all of their, their, their skin, their muscle tissue, literally, they would be beaten until their, literally their insides fell out. That's the way Jesus was beaten. That's what He did. Not because of anything, but that's what He did for you. He died on the cross. And the greatest thing He really did was on the cross, he, when He took our sins upon Him, there's a time when Jesus says, My God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken Me? You know why the Father forsook Him? You know, did you know that the Father, for the first time in all eternity, turned His back on Jesus Christ? It's a terrible thought to have someone turn their back on you. How could somebody ever do that? But I'll tell you why God did it. Because He couldn't look upon our sins as a holy God. He had to turn His back on the Son of God as as our sins were placed upon Him. He was separated from God. But you know what? He did all of this willingly. Why? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. There's many ways that the message of the Gospel is simple. Jesus said, for instance, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You want to go to heaven? It's through Me. It's through Me. But listen, another very simple explanation of salvation, and I'm bringing this to a close right here, so just a few more moments and I'll be wrapping up. But I want to give this to you right now, a gift. Something we can understand. The simplicity of the Gospel is what I'm trying to talk about. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. My birthday was yesterday. I've received already so many wonderful gifts. My greatest gift was sitting around the table last night and laughing with my family. Uh, No greater gift than that in the time that we were able to share there together. But, uh, but a gift. I, I, I've, gotten, I've got gifts. This tie was a gift uh, from a, a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it's Christmas, but it hadn't been too long ago that I got this tie. And, but the, the way gifts work, and you know this, but the way gifts work is that normally a person goes out and says, okay, 
I want to get something for this person. And I think I'm going to get something for Shane today, okay? I want to get something for Shane, minor, sitting right up here on the front row. Man, but what? But I want to get something that Shane really needs. And so I just say that I'm out in the store and I see this beautiful black Bible there and I think to myself, you know what? Shane really needs this Bible. So I see this Bible and guess who's on my mind the whole time? Shane. And I'm thinking, and is this getting creepy? I hope not. Uh, and I'm thinking to myself, I want to get something for Shane. Well, first of all, I've got to look at something. I see this, and I know it's perfect for Shane, but what do I need to look at before I get my wallet out? The cost. The cost. What is this going to cost? I look at it. Ooh. Man, this, that's a little steep. But you know what? Shane's worth it. Shane's worth it. I'm going to pay the price. So I grab it, take it up to the front. They say, okay, this is how much it is. And I cringe one more time. It's how much? I don't really like spending money. Uh, it's how much? But you know what? It's Shane needs it. It's worth it. I'm going to pay for it. This is now, I have paid for this. I get the receipt. And now this is Shane's. You know what? I even, I even go a couple extra bucks more and I get his name put on it right here. Right here, bottom right corner. Shane. I get his name put on there. Guess what? I now have a gift for Shane. It's Shane's. I don't need it. It's Shane's. I've paid for it. It's Shane's. It's got Shane's name on it. It's Shane's. Alright? Let me tell you something. God looked, through, looked down through the time of eternity and I'm telling you, He looked at you. Amen. He looked at you. And He says, their greatest need is to be forgiven of their sins. Their greatest need is to be, be, be born again and become my child. Be, have life, have abundant life on this earth and have eternal life in the life to come. Their greatest need and, and what I desire so greatly is to be with them. So God sees something that you need. Then He looks at the cost. Wait a second. What's it going to cost? Jesus is going to have to come? Be mocked, ridiculed, beaten, nailed to a cross? Die there? Rise again the third day in victory? That's what it's going to cost? But understand this, God looked at that cost and He said, she is worth it. She is absolutely worth it. Jesus looked at you and said, He is worth it to me. Now, we look at ourselves, and listen, some of you believe the lie that you're worthless and not worth anything. You know, value depends on what somebody's willing to pay for something. That's what determines value. Somebody says, well, I don't think it's worth that. Well, there's somebody willing to pay, for, pay this much for it, so that makes it worth it. You want to know something? You may not feel like much, but look at the price that Jesus paid for you. Right. So he gets the gift. But it's a gift. Now the thing is, it's been in my possession this whole time. It's Shane's. It's not mine. I just still happen to have it. But then comes the point, the joyous time when it comes to giving someone a gift. When I come up to Shane, 
Shane, good news. The gospel, good news. Shane, I know you had a need, man. I know you really needed this. And guess what I did? I got it for you right here. There's your name, buddy. Here it is. I'm so glad for the day that somebody come and told me that. Hallelujah. In Harvest Baptist Church in Bessemer City, North Carolina. I'm so glad when Dr. James Ellis stood up and said, Jesse, guess what? God got you a gift. It's eternal life. It's forgiveness of your sins. And he said, Jesse, here it is. Here's the gift. So the exciting part is telling somebody that, that they've got a gift. What's more exciting is when they say, here you go. But you know what I did the first time that gift was offered to me, Shane? What do you think I did? You see that? He pushed this gift away. I did the same thing. First time that gift was offered to me. You know what that? You know what's one of the most heartbreaking things in my life in ministry? Is some now for literally like 25 years, I've been telling people, hey, guess what? There's a gift. It's your name on it. Will you accept him? And you know what people do time after time? Push him away. Has anybody here ever got a gift that they weren't crazy about? No. <laughs> I always go back to this. I don't know why, but I remember one time when I opened up a Christmas present, Christmas morning, I was in elementary school. It's been a long time ago. But I was so excited, I was just opening up presents and opening up this box, and as soon as I opened it, it was a, it was a, a, a thermal shirt that had hearts all over the front of it and had Garfield running, throwing these hearts. Garfield's a fat cat, if you don't know. But uh, he started throwing these uh, hearts. And I, first thing I do, ooh, I'm sorry. And I looked over at my sister and I said, I think I opened up your present. My aunt is sitting right there. She says, no, no, Jesse, that's yours. <laughs> I wanted to say, no, thank you. No, thank you. But I was raised with some manners. And so you know what I did? I just said, because I, I tried to think, not about if, whether or not I appreciated these hearts or I was ever going to wear these stinking hearts. It was white and had like red cuffs on the sleeves. And I don't know, man, it's just like, this doesn't work. And, but you know what I did? I thanked her for the thoughts. I thanked her uh, that it's a terrible gift, but I thanked her because at least she was thinking of me, right? And, and, and it's not the gift, it's the, it's the thought. And I don't know how much of that process, and I'm sure she could truly see the disappointment on my face, but guess what? As well as I could muster up, I took that gift and said, thank you. Amen. And it might not have been that I was as grateful as much as I didn't want to get a whooping. Amen? That's one of the big reasons. Listen, people aren't just, kids aren't just automatically grateful either. Amen? They need to be taught these things and held accountable. But anyway, you ever got to get you wasn't crazy about? But even those we often take. But imagine the scenario that I'm giving you right now. It's a, it's a true scenario. God offering you the gift of salvation. No thank you. Maybe, maybe sometimes they trying to offer you the gift and you're like, no, thank you. I'm not worth it. You're like, I'm sorry. You are. I've already purchased this. Don't insult me because of a complex you have. I love you. I want to give you this gift. 
Some people say, you know what? Maybe I'll accept the gift later. I'm not ready for the gift right now. But here's the simplicity of salvation. It's as simple as accepting a gift. And I'll close in Romans chapter number 10. The Bible says this, how do you receive that gift today? The simplicity of the Gospel is this, you had a need. Jesus paid for that need. It was forgiveness of sins and it was salvation. The gift has been purchased and it's this simple. Now you just need to receive it. Preacher, how do I receive this gift? Notice what the Bible says in Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. It says this, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Which is to say, your sins forgiven. You restored, born again, put in the right relationship with God. Eternity with God. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Notice that. I doubt that I'm preaching to too many people here today that say, oh, I be-, that would say that I don't believe. Most people say, oh, I believe, I believe. Understand, this isn't talking about, yeah, yeah, I believe, I'm good, I'm good. No, 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 no. With the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. What that means is this. Are you willing to put all your trust in Him? It's not, it's not good enough to say, uh, you know what, I'm a pretty good person and, and sure, I'll take Jesus too. It's not good enough to say, you know what, I've, I've been baptized and I'll just take Jesus too. That's not the way this gift works. It's, Lord, I'm trusting You and You alone. I'm putting my all in You, Lord. It's like the old thing. I wish I could remember the, uh, the, the high-wire dude's name. But he literally would be taken, he would literally just do tricks across Niagara Falls on a tightrope. Possibly. And he, he even got to the point to where he, he, he would do amazing things and tricks while he was out on this high-wire. And at one point, he uh, got a wheelbarrow and he, he says, uh, How many of you believe? Listen. How many of you believe I can push this wheelbarrow back across the tightrope? Oh, the crowd. Woo! Yeah, we believe it. We believe it. But then he looks at one of them up front and says, well, get in. There's a difference, isn't there? Oh, I believe. I believe. I believe. Yeah, okay, whatever. Are you willing to get in today? Because here's what the Bible says. That, that, uh, for with the heart may believe unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Here it is. You ready? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. You remember who whosoever is right there? It's you. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How do I accept that gift? Just from your heart today, call on the Lord. Lord, I believe. You say there's a lot of things I don't understand. You don't have to understand a lot of things. You just need to understand that you're a sinner and that Jesus paid the price for your sin. You just need to understand that He will forgive you and that He went to the cross for you. And if you ask Him to forgive you and save you today, what's verse 13 say? He'll do it. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So let's all stand please. And Miss Sonia, if you'd come and play, and perhaps Kurt, you'd come and be prepared to sing. But as she begins to play... I ask you this question today. Have you ever received the gift of God? See, you're looking at a person here today. I told you the first time I heard that message. I didn't totally get it, I guess. But I did not receive that message. I did not receive that gift. But oh, hallelujah, one day I did. Amen? Amen.
And I've never regretted. Anybody else glad they received that gift? Hallelujah. But if you're here today and you have yet to receive that gift, you say, oh, I'm trying. What does it take? You don't receive a gift by trying. You reach out and you receive it. If you've never asked the Lord to forgive you of your sins, if you've never asked the Lord to be your Savior, if you've never turned to Him, would you please turn to Him today?